Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. What's up, guys? How you doing? This is Frank from uh, Rest for Responders. We're here for uh, with our second episode of Inside the Labyrinth. I am a police officer in New York. Uh, we had a great guest last time on our first episode, Huge Fat Loser. Uh, you can guys you can guys check that up on Spotify, and it should be up on on Apple iTunes uh, very shortly. We'll let you guys know. And again, I'm with my co-host Jay. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's uh, Jay, aka uh, the Real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. Uh, I am a uh, police officer in the city of White Plains, time to the emergency service unit. And today, we have Jailhouse Strong on the line. How's it going, my man? Hey, good. How are you? I am great. Uh, pleasure to have you as a guest. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to meet you, my man. I'm very excited about this. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. This is Josh Bryant from Jailhouse Strong. Josh, a quick little introduction because... You know, uh, NYPD has 30,000 cops, so I don't know if everyone knows what Jailhouse Strong is and who Josh is. So, Josh, can you just give us just a quick, try your best, a quick little background about you and uh, kind of what is Jailhouse Strong? Um, Jailhouse Strong is um, a book that I wrote with my best friend, Adam Bachia, and it's it's become a movement. It's not just a book anymore. It's it's essentially making the best out of what you have. So it, the, from the training perspective, it starts off with a body weight training. So if, if all you have access is yourself, how do you maximize that access? You know, how do you get the most out of your body weight type of training? And then, you know, it moves on to, to strength training from there. Then from there, we started writing uh, manuals about mindset and things like that. So it's become not only like a way to train, so sort of a minimalist way to train, you know, you, you make the most out of what you have, with what you got. And then if you have access to more, how to use it, then actually how to develop your mindset as well. Awesome. And a little, a little background about you. I mean, I, I know all your, your, all your training and everything, but, uh, kind of type of training that you started into and the type of training that you do now workout wise. Sure. So I started off in traditional sports. Um, growing up, I played, um, I played football. I did boxing, I did track and, and kind of more normal sports, went to college, got recruited, recruited initially as a fullback. They decided they were going to use a smaller fullback, more like a tailback type of position, and I got switched to guard, did well at guard, but I wanted to get, and then um, through all that, I've been lifting the whole time, and I really found my love for powerlifting that time. Went on, did powerlifting competitions, won teenage nationals, became the strongest, or uh, the youngest person to bench press 600 pounds, won some other titles, set some other records, won the Strongest Man in America 2005, um, then got into some bodybuilding at Metroflex Gym with Brian Dobson, and then from there, lately, I've been doing more of a tactical type of training because... I just like this type of training 
And since, since I was posting videos doing it, um, people watching it, and I, I got into tra- working with a lot. I've, already, I've always worked with military and law enforcement, but now it's been a much higher demand because I think it's because of the videos I was putting out. It wasn't like I went out seeking the market. It kind of found me type of deal, mm-hmm. which was cool because this is the way I like to train now because I'm not going to compete in powerlifting. And, uh, you know, we call it gas station ready. That means, um, you know, when you're alone, when you're walking to a gas station at 3 a.m., and someone approaches you, they want your car, your money, your ride, your lady. Are you ready to handle the situation? That's what gas station ready is. It's being prepared for life and being prepared for anything, you know. So that's how I train now. I want to be ready for life. I love that thing, gas station ready. I don't think Staying a lot of gas think station like ready. Too. Yeah, I think people just kind of, um, you know, a lot of people, they'll train for aesthetics, right? Um, right. And, and, you know, it's okay to look good, but at the end of the day, um, I love this saying too, stronger people are harder to kill, right? So, um, you have to train your mind, you have to train your body, but that gas station ready is such a, it strikes a chord with me because you never know what you're going to walk into and you need to be able to rise to the occasion, quote unquote, so to speak. Um, in you know, in, in the case that something like that does happen. So that gas station ready, man, I want to commend you for coming up with that because that kind of makes people think outside of the box but it does and it's it's different so the way how is gas station ready for than you know different than like regular boxing because like so regular boxing even professional fight those are three minute rounds i mean you know Mm -hmm. the gas station never have a three minute scenario right (laughs) yeah absolutely but even like amateur golden gloves like the novice division is um is you know what one minute rounds or something so i mean it's really short type of gas station ready is like super short you know what i mean so like for instance i'll give you an example like you might do like a work so like a workout if you're doing um for this particular type of training could be something like where you go um on like you know 20 seconds you know 20 seconds i go sometimes go 10 seconds on you do like um you know a a knee an elbow a right knee right elbow left hook you know sprawl come up do it again repeat that as many times you can 10 seconds rest 20 then you go 20 and 10 and then, so, you know, so it's really short, intense burst. That, that, that's what, that's how it's going to be. And for everyday life, that's more realistic. It was going to happen. I always say for anything we're doing, if we, we can build up to do something well, and then, you know, it, it's and if you can sustain it for that amount of time, it's going to be awesome. Where if it was a situation where to drag it out, just think if you could sprint around a track, 400 meters in 60 seconds, you could probably run a mile you know, in a decent time, eight minutes if you had to, because you're running each lap in only two minutes. It's just such a lower threshold you're operating at, where it's a lot harder if you run an eight-minute mile just to come out and run a 60-second 400 the first time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I love that mindset, man. I think a lot of people don't think like that. And uh, especially, you know, I tell first responders, you know, um, all the time, it's like you need to be training for, for function, for stuff that you're actually going to be doing out there. It's okay to have nice biceps and, you know, you know, popping shoulders, right? But at the end of the day, if you can't throw a punch, right, you can't sprawl, right. you know, if you can't grapple with somebody, it's kind of useless, you know? Uh, I don't only want to look scary, but I want to be, you know, I want to be scary. I want to be that guy that, you know, if I put my hands on you, you're going to know I'm putting my hands on you and, and, you know, my presence will be felt. It's one thing to be an intimidator, but to be, be able to have an actual skill set, um, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, I think it's also like you talk about the look. So, so I think the look will diffuse most situations, you know, 90% of the time, if you have an intimidating look, you diffuse the situation without it coming. But I think most predators are smart enough to know the difference between the pumped up, you know, board short wearing men's physique competitor than somebody that's mm-hmm. functional muscle. It's going to look different. It's going to be, okay, this guy's, you know, for instance, somebody's training on all machines. They have like no form development because they don't actually grip anything where somebody that's doing like weighted carry farmer's walks and stuff's going to have, you know, huge forms, huge traps. So I think people that basically prey on other people for a career, they are smart enough to, they are smart enough or instinctual enough or something to tell the difference between pump and pose and function. Absolutely. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. 1000%. Exactly, Josh. And this is going to lead me into the next question. That's kind of, sure. we talked about on Instagram live, Josh, a little bit about, PHA training, what is it? And the, like an example you can give because most first responders and firemen and military at their base, they have, you know, dumbbells, kettle, um, uh, they have dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells and stuff like that. So like a little circuit, a little uh, ground of PHA training that you could uh, give out. 
Sure. So like a PHA training is, um, it's a very, it's, um, first off, I think it's best if you like, assuming you have time to train and stuff and like, I think it's best to, to start doing that when you have like the requisite strength levels met. So I would suggest someone build a squat about twice their body weight, deadlift about twice their body weight, do a pull up with about 1.2 times their body weight, a bench press about 1.25 times their body weight. So that would be like to get the most out of it. Cause I think right. for the most part, strength is your base because you look at like what's the deal with, um, you know, like for instance, when you talk about, um, you guys are performing under loads. So I don't know exactly what the NYPD wears, but here in Fort Worth, the average police officer is performing day, you know, daily tasks, 25 pounds of external load. We go yeah, to SWAT. About right. SWAT same, like sounds about right. 60, same. SWAT was 62. So the point being that in, in science, literature, all that stuff, the two most effective, you know, besides actually training under load, what, what else makes you more effective under load is, you know, not having a high amount of body fat, like a lower body fat percentage more muscle mass and a higher level of strength. I mean, obviously if you can, you know, walk around with, you know, 300 pound farmers walking each hand, you know, wearing a 40 pound vest is not going to be as big of a deal as if, you know, you deadlift 135. So that, that being said, I think your limit strength right there is your base, especially for you guys running under load, because even for sprinters, we, you know, to maximize speed, you want to be that 2.5 times body weight squat deadlift threshold, just because think about all that, force you produce by pushing through the ground so that that's going to maximize speed to a degree but you guys it's even more so because you're like a sprinter with a load on you know what i mean so that's a different thing exactly but now back to pha training so okay so what that is it's basically i would say it's i like to call it it's like circuit training on steroids is what it is so you do like for an example we would go um what I'm calling it, so we got it. I got a new book that just came out. It's called Tactical Strongman, and this is like this is what I call tactical PHA training. So it's specific to you know law enforcement and military fire. Um, what you go here is like I'll give you an example. So you go like dumbbell incline press. Okay, you would go six to ten reps with a with what a weight you could actually do for fifteen. Then immediately you jump in squats. You would go five to eight reps with a weight you could do twelve for one all out set. You go into farmer's walk for 50 feet. That would be with 80% of what you could actually do for 50 feet if you went all out. You go to neutral grip lat pull downs next. You would do 10 to 15 reps of a weight you could do 20 with. You go then go into a neck exercise. Okay, so you do all those in a row. So all five of those exercises in a row and do that three times straight through. No break. Just move exercise to exercise. And then you would do that for a, a then you take a, a couple minute break and do that for another sequence like that. So each sequence is repeated three times and the way this would be different, say for a tactical athlete, like, you know, law enforcement versus, you know, whoever, I mean, to my mind, it shouldn't be a whole lot different. I think they should train because, you know, if it's going to, it's going to be training for everyday life. So I, I mean, cause even if you're like, why I'm not a cop, I don't even do any neck work. Well, what if you get in a car crash, then you're going to be better off if your neck was strong. You know, what right. if someone punch, what if someone punches you? Well, it's sort of like an insurance policy against concussion if your neck's strong, um, that kind of thing. So that's all it is, is basically you're getting a ton done in a short amount of time. So um, the, the conditioning is crazy, how much conditioning you get out of it. And then the flip side of it is um, you're not sacrificing the weight. So like, yeah, if you're doing a dumbbell incline press with six to 10 reps of what you could do 15 with. Yeah. It's not like, you know, all out like building your strength, but it's not that far below it. So this allows you to, um, this allows you to, to use fairly heavy weights, but get a crazy amount of conditioning with it. It's like nothing you've ever done. Cause guys cited in the book, Taylor Lopez, um, the SWAT officer. Um, he, I remember he was telling me about a situation that he got into after a chase. And he said like, you know, everything was totally clear after training this way, this like weight prepares you for real life. Wow. And it seems to be like a, an, an efficient way to train because uh, it's time effective. Right. And you're Very. Still able to, and it's, you're still able to get or lift a, a decent amount of weight. So, um, so I, I work for the emergency service unit. So, um, so we're pretty much SWAT. We have, you know, we do have, we have SWAT special weapons and tactics underneath our umbrella. And I mm. try to tell guys to, um, to uh, figure out a way to train to kind of replicate what we're actually going to do. So, you know, uh, on many occasions we've done, um, 
you know, search warrants, you have to walk up six, seven flights of stairs. Exactly. Right? A one-man ram, a rabbit tool. So, like, this right now is just really ringing a bell with me because um, a lot of the guys that, that I know um, mm-hmm. are somewhat fatigued when we get to the top of those six or seven flights. You know, and now we have to perform a function. We got to get this door open. And on top of that, now I got to get through this door, okay? And I have to clear a house or an apartment. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot mentally to, 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 to kind of um, take in because it's like most people think, all right, well, if, if I run on a treadmill for 20 minutes, I should be okay, right? It's a different nope. kind of stimulus going upstairs with load. So um, I'm actually going to try to tell these guys to get on this book, man, because um, I think this may open their eyes to to what I was saying. So at least if you, I mean, you, you have the, the, the backing, right? You cited a SWAT officer who basically said that, hey, right, training. and this, yeah, and if you go on, um, go on um, the Jailhouse Strong Instagram, you can, I posted it up a couple days ago, his words, I didn't ask him to do a testimonial or thing, he just put it up, so, okay. and yeah, and a lot of um, other military guys too, this is, this is, um, so if you, like what I just described here, it's in the book mm-hmm. Tactical Strongman, and honestly, I write like courses and stuff, I could make this book into a course, but it's, I wanted this to get out there for a really low price so people could see how to do this. I think it's going to change the game. You, if you train this way, and so for me, like backtrack, why did I, why did I come up with this? Okay. For, for me initially, this was time, like you just said, it's efficiency. Okay. Like I got kids, I got a family, run a business, do all this stuff. So like, um, I, I, yeah, I, I did enjoy at one time going to the gym, like three hours of pop. It was fun, but that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was cool. If you know, if I had nothing else to do, I'd go back to probably doing that, but I don't, that's not reality. So I had to design something quick. So if you do what I'm talking about three days a week on this program and you have no other time, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you can get this done really quick, you know, quick two hours a week of total training time and be in better condition than most of the other guys. So what I do in the program is then, okay, now if you have off time, here's some stuff you can do on, here's some stuff you can do on your off days, you know, like jump roping, you know, ruck walks, um, agility drills, but not a hundred percent. Cause you, you know, that kind of stuff where you can do as an active recovery. But if you can get these three days in a week, your conditioning is to be better than most people because it, you know, it, you guys have to be, you guys have to perform these duties under load and under extreme duress. So it just kind of, you know, magically worked out what I'm doing, you know, showing people worked out for you guys, but it does. So it's kind of like, we both have different reasons why we're doing it, but it seems to kind of necessi- necessitate the same goal, you know? So that's really cool. And this, this has been like the go-to kind of, if someone purely is low on time and purely wants to train for tactical training, we can put it in there because we can, uh, in the book, I'll give you like substitutions too, you know? Okay. If you don't have for dumbbell and crime presses, you may have a band and you're strong. So we can do banded pushups, you know, with your yeah. feet up on a bench to make them more difficult, that kind of thing. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, that that it, it it really is. Um, and this is perfect because a few, few questions I have about it. Uh, Josh, I actually picked up the book the other night. I read probably about half of it last night. Good. Tactical Strongman. Okay. I mean, yep. you, you can get it on Amazon. On Amazon. And I love yes, and I love the the beginning the beginning that you break down that this type of training. This is no like this is no no bullshit. This is this is started um in the start of time. You know, in Greece and and Sparta and um. All the stories that have the, um, you know, mythologies that you talked about the guy that lifted a thousand pound stone, right? That even if he didn't lift a thousand pound stone, that it something he lifted a very heavy stone where we're in 2020 and that story could still be heard of. So it says something right there. And um, I'm going to butcher his name, but even Teddy Roosevelt, they right in this book, they asked him um, if he could be like someone or if he looked up to someone and he, uh, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, um, but he said that he would like to be uh, that strong man back in the early 1900s. Yeah. And it was it was uh, it, it's something that a lot of first responders definitely need to read. And because my next question was going to ask um, about basically the body and first responders for sleep and a routine. And in the book, it, it even states that the body, the human body thrives off a of routine. So for first responders, a lot of us work just those crazy hours. But for example, for me, if I work four to twelve, now my body's on a routine of going to bed every day at 
from let's say two o'clock waking up at ten o'clock it's not it's not going to sleep before midnight and getting those uh ex- those more powerful hours of sleep but at least it's still eight hours so the routine um can we try to talk like yeah can we hit so a little bit of the importance of sleep and a routine basically okay so i had a, a really good freshman football coach and his thing was his other thing is always what's the next best thing we can do so what's the next best thing we can do in this situation so okay if you are working graveyard and somebody tells you that if you get in a routine, it's going to be the same as if you're working a more traditional schedule. They're lying to you. It's not going to be as good, more than likely. That's just what science says. But that, that doesn't mean it's sort of like, you know, if you're on a diet. You're supposed to be following a particular diet, and all of a sudden you have one cheat meal. That doesn't mean you should, like, just go off haywire. But it's a cheat day. It's a cheat week. You know, now I'm just eating whatever I want all the time. It's That's how you got to look at this. Like, what's the next best thing? You still need to develop a routine because um, – the, the, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about the, the long-term effects of shift work where shift work is like defined as, um, I did a lot of, re- I've, I've a lot of research on this for tactical athletes and shift work we're defining as people that don't work like the normal, like work hours. So like your late swing shifts, your graveyard, I don't know what they call them now, swing shifts, graveyard shifts, just not your nine to five type of jobs, like late at night or into the early morning overnight. Yep. Basically, you know, a long-term effect of that is raising heart disease risk by about 40%. Um, diabetes and metabolic syndrome is about three, time, three times higher than people that are not shift workers. Obesity is higher. Um, depression and mood disorders are much higher, you know, so much lower levels of serotonin. Hence, that's why people, you know, will like you drink and stuff because temporarily that increases, you know, those levels. Fertility issues, you know. Um, breast cancer has increased by 50%. So that's like the long-term effects that, you know, short-term, there's a lot of short-term, like, you know, all sorts of digestive issues, um, you know, just increased risk of injuries and accidents, um, insomnia, you know, general feeling of not being well and all that stuff. So you, that's what you're up against, but you can still, you know, if you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. I mean, so now you have to maximize what you do. So you need to definitely need to develop some sort of routine like you know if you do better training right before you go into work are you guys allowed to train on the shift there because i know some departments let you train on the shift or is that not allowed uh during your meal time uh you're allowed to you're allowed to train on your shift if you get if you get a meal you know what i mean so you basically in new york city have an hour and most precincts allow you hey if you want to go train go ahead train uh in that hour just make sure you're suited back up and ready to go back on patrol or whatever you're doing at that certain time my job is prohibited so yeah, I know. Cause if, so here's some of the police departments doing a good job of. They'll actually let you train on shift, and basically, um, my understanding of paraphrasing it is, you're good to go. And if they do call you while you're training, like you better bring the war hat because shit's at the fan. Like they don't call you unless it's something like bad. Okay. You know what I mean? Like somebody's jaywalking, you're not gonna get the call in the middle of a squat set. It's more like there's a riot happening type of deal. Yes. Um, so. I would say, okay, if, if like, let's just go with supposition you can't train effectively during work, I would, that's how you develop a routine. So you like, okay, you know, if you go into work at 10 o'clock, maybe you, you know, you train at nine o'clock. So I wouldn't recommend, you know, to me, it'd be tough to train after the shift if you want to go to sleep because I don't know how you guys are from train, but I can't just train and go right to sleep. Yeah, I get home so, at 1 a.m. I exactly. get home at 1 a.m. every day. And I've done that for a few months, and I was up till 4 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't wake up till 12. And then, again, my body needs to take at least another month just to get used to that type. So I like to I like to train um, before my shift that starts at, at 15, 37, 337. I try to train, train right before that. So we've been talking about all the disadvantages you have if you're on these weird shifts. The advantages you do have on these shifts for the most part is you can set up more of a routine than a lot of people because, you know, you're, you're, on, you're not operating on normal hours. So – you know, especially outside of work, you can set up a routine. Like, you know, if you if you tr- say you start work at ten, you get there at nine to train early. The odds of somebody, you know, wanting to, you know, the odds of like your kid having a school play at nine p.m. are pretty low. You know, so like that that kind of that kind of yeah. stuff, it's good, right? So like there is some advantage to it. So you're gonna do a lot better off in a routine. You know, you like um, lots of little things like train at the same time. I mean, I know eating can be a little tricky. For you guys, because if, um, you know, in the middle of a foot pursuit, you can't just like say, I'm going to stop. It's actually meal time right now. But, you know, <laughs> obviously. Right. So but everything before and after 
particularly before, I guess, after you can be held over. But, but as much as you can control, control and make a routine of it, you know, train at the same time, um, eat as much as you can at the, at the same time, that kind of stuff. By making a routine, you're going to get better sleep and you're going to get, you know, better, better rested when you, when you get off work. Make sure you're sleeping in a really, really dark place. You know, wear an eye mask. Keep it dark. You know, make your make your. Um, I always say the only thing that should be done in your bed is you should be uh, sleeping in it or be intimate in it. That's it. Like nothing else. You can't. I wouldn't be like reading, you know, something or watching TV and stuff. Just make your bed that place and your bedroom that place, so you can get in this routine of your body. You like psychologically condition yourself. Like Pavlov's dogs, when you walk in there, you know it's time to go to sleep. That that type hell, of stuff. Yep. So, so you can get on a routine. That's going to be extremely helpful, and it's going to be much more important for shift workers. Yeah, like so. So for me, I work. Um, I work a ten-hour shift. It starts at six p.m. So, um, I work from six p.m. to four a.m. So, um, yeah, I am a stickler for routine as well. So, but what I actually incorporated into my routine was intermittent fasting um, just because I didn't want to eat um, sure. dur- during the duration of my shift because, I mean, it's a 10-hour shift, but it, it's like literally the sun's down, it, you know, um, and obviously when the sun goes down, you know, the body revs down um, as well. So it's just like I had to figure out a way where I was able to get the proper nutrition, make sure I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm hitting my numbers and my macros, but also, you know, in my caloric intake, whatever. Um, Absolutely. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to overeat. So I was like, all right, let me figure out a little system where um, I'll train before I go to work, right? And then right before I go to work, um, I'll get in a set amount of meals, and then I'll have like a snack when I get to work, and then I'm usually done. So my fasts are anywhere between, um, you know, 16 to 18 hours. Um, okay. I just want to kind of pick your brain about that. What do you think about uh, the intermittent fasting? Uh, um, you know, for guys that are doing shift work. Um, I, so I think that how well people react to intermittent fasting is like totally individualized type of thing. So if it works well for you, I think it's, it's a great thing. I mean, as, especially that if you do well with that type of nutrition, mm-hmm. I think, um, cop shifts are like tailor made for it. You know, oh, it's, per- yeah, it's perfect 1, for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, guys, absolutely. Guys that I worked with were, were gaining weight on midnight. Those guys were eating like. You know, yeah, they were working a nine to five, you know, so either you gain 30 or you lose 30 on a midnight and majority of the guys were just they were just gaining so much. Well, weight, and, you know? and that become that that raises an interesting thing of what, you know, we said earlier, research shows diabetes and metabolic syndrome are three times higher for, you know, shift workers. So is obesity and all this stuff. But what came first, the chicken or the egg, even these gastrointestinal issues? Is it because yeah. you're up at a weird hour? Or is it because you're up at a weird hour and. And you're just like, you know, using food as a drug to kind of deal with it. And you're eating a bunch of crap. Yeah. You know, I I don't, I don't have an exact answer for it. I see it more than I do. I just know that's what is. Yeah. Uh, Make you feel good in the moment. Eating those donuts or whatever we, that they say cops always eat, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I was in New York, you know, Um, a fat slob, it wouldn't be on donuts. You got all those pizzas and places and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Walk right past yeah. the donut shop. Um, yeah, that, that's. Uh, uh, I'm happy you hit that, Josh, and the, the statistics because we're really trying to make this pie, um, you know, us talking, especially this one, an awareness. Um, it's 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 sad, man, that uh, you know the average age of a police officer. They did a study in 2013, and it's still today around the same age, man. It's 57 years old, Josh, and it's uh, if you really don't take care of yourself, um, especially with the stress of the job, and sometimes we're talking about. Um, that just you're like you get so stressed out during a shift let's just say and you don't even know it but you get so busy during work or you're stressed or you're doing a collar you're on a rest and you just forget to eat so sometimes oh, that intermittent that intermittent fasting could be effective if you're like you know what it's a stress um it's a busy day let's use that word it's a busy day and uh, i just don't i just forgot to eat and now guys are like shit i got home at midnight one o'clock let me go eat a pizza or let me, let me go eat my food and that could throw you off so sometimes uh jay i think if it does work intermittent fasting could work i have a buddy who's a correction officer and he intermittent fasts um and he uh does the same thing that you do jay so uh it it works for him so that that's definitely a good thing to talk about i think there's definitely something legit there so like you can look at it like this because um 
so Jay, when you, after you get off work and you eat, do you, so like for me, when I've done like, um, I haven't done as much intermittent fasting, but I've done a little bit, I've done a lot, of, I've done keto, like a cyclical keto before. So okay. a lot. So when I would do that is, and obviously with keto, you kind of, you can get away with quote unquote fasting more, um, yep. in the sense of like, you know, it's, it's more fat based. So you're not as hungry as often. So point B, when I'd have like a, a refeed, I would always do it at night. And that would knock me out. Like, so if I had a bunch of carbs at night, it'd be like, it'd just like oh, put yeah, me to sleep. Yeah, right. The so that was nice. So I'm saying with the intermittent fasting, if you're, you know, you all of a sudden you eat like that one big meal, you might go right to sleep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that would be another advantage to doing that type of thing. If if you if your body reacts well to it, all of a sudden you have that big meal uh, at night. You know, I mean, you just gotta be careful what you know, because even if you're you gotta be careful not to eat too much because obviously if, um, you know, if you're eating like a big tub of ice cream or something, it might put you to sleep and might actually help you sleep well, but that's not conducive to what you, you know, to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I try to make the best decisions nutritionally. Um, you know, I try to eat uh, a lot of vegetables. I'm, so I'm plant-based, so uh, I eat a lot of vegetables or anything plant-based. Uh, is usually what is my go-to. So I eat a lot of like uh, grains, like quinoa, um, brown rice, things of that nature, Brussels sprouts, you name yeah. it, greens, um, you know, I'll, I'll eat it. So, um, and it's just been like a new thing for me over the last like two and a half, three years. I've been, I've adopted a plant-based lifestyle. Um, okay. And um, it just, it's helped me with my sleeping, my recovery, um, and just like inflammatory issues. Like I was having sure. issues with my knees, you know, my, my, my elbows from years of, you know, benching and pressing. So, um, you know, I wanted to figure out a way where I can reduce inflammation. And, um, you know, a few friends of mine were actually, you know, plant-based for a few years. And they were like, listen, man, if you're looking to reduce inflammation, you, know, you might want to look into this. So um, I adopted and it. You know, it's worked for me. And, you know, my body fat's relatively low. So I just, I stick with it because it works for me. Like you said, I think it's different case to case. Um, sure. I just try to tell guys like you don't you know you don't have to fast, but you know just try to make the the right decisions when you're eating foods because you know eating you know fried chicken over like you know grilled chicken versus like you know a sweet sure. potato versus French fries. You know what I mean? Just try to make conscious decisions while you're at work, or just take time. As far as like you know, I know you say like you know you're a big advocate for routine, right? So meal prep, get you, you know get those meals ready so that if you do get caught in a bind. Like you have that. That's it for you guys. You it's eat. so exactly. Uh, it's so important. I mean, because it's it, it's really easy to grab something on the go, but like, okay, all of a sudden the situation comes up, and you're not you're not doing intermittent fasting. You got to eat because you're you know that hungry. Your stomach hurts and all this, and then mm -hmm. you know it's do you eat crap or do you just go hungry? Either way, you're not going to feel very good. Yeah, I'd rather put something of a uh, some good nutritional value in my body versus like a slice of pizza. I mean, that's just me. Other guys are different. I just know, like, it has residual effects for me. I, I know, I'll, like, I'll start to feel lethargic. I just won't feel as good if I if I have a horrible... Me too. Have a really, yeah, so it's like your body will talk to you. You know, it's like, uh, I always say... Oh, yeah. I try, yeah. I try <laughs> oh, to yeah. treat my body like an eight-cylinder Hemi, you know what I mean? I'm going to put... I only put bad meals at night if I'm going to eat them. Yeah. If I eat a bad meal, it's going to has to be at night. Otherwise, the okay. day shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> the day yeah, shot. Yeah, like, because everything feels yeah. off. Your, everything feels off so it's like yeah yeah you know unless you're gonna just sit around and you know even reading if you eat for me if i had a bunch of crap like the retention's lower i'm saying i have to literally sit there and watch a movie which would anytime i've tried to do that i don't watch tv much but i've tried to do that eat food i always am asleep within like five minutes just like as soon as i watch it you know oh, i'm eating bad food and and jay said um about recovery and i know josh you hit this like and you can correct me if i'm wrong but um during the summertime for most uh fire firemen and big cities and police officers the summertime yeah. is very busy so for example if you're if you if you're training a tactical athlete and let's say he's a fireman let's just use this for example and you know he's got a 24-hour shift coming up in the summer on a saturday you're not going to have him probably deadlift or squat 90 percent for five or six reps the day of he's going to go in for a 20 hour, 24 hour shift or the day before, because you talked about that, that you don't want his back or his hamstrings or something yep. locking up if he's fighting a big fire or something. So that's really big timing and recovery is huge, right? Right. So you have to, you know, and you're going to learn that. So different people recover at different rates. So like how close to that and all that can, you know, 
And then also, you know, I mean, I don't know how it is with fire. They can work out and shift, but they can just get, it's tough to do, you know, first you're kind of thinking like fire for, for particular, if somebody really wants to take it to the next level, you know, it's like, okay, oh yeah, just work out and shift. You're allowed to, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, if they're taking their training real serious and making progress, you know, it's kind of like a pain in the ass to get called out in the middle of, you know, an important workout, <laughs> you know, not that they're, they're yeah, yeah, especially out, it's, like a structure fire or a bad car accident. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's making some progress here, but this got interrupted in that. So yeah, it would definitely be on those days they'd be working. You'd want to structure it where it's, you know, not going to be balls out crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, because it's, it was, it, the nervous system after you're doing a, a heavy workout or whatever, that's going to affect, it's like, uh, and you talked about it in the book, you know, athletes and games, they don't, when I played college football, we didn't do anything with pads for two days before the game day. So, you know, imagine you going out there doing a crazy 90% squat, bench, or deadlift workout, and then the next day you have to fight a structure fire. I mean, I I, yeah. I think most guys are going to feel that. Um, not even well, if they're sore, but their body, they're going to be like, wow, why am I so tired after this fire that, that maybe I've done a, uh, not every fire is the same, but something similar like this, and now I'm shot for two days. Well, remember remember this conversation because you want to see the hardest hits in football. I'll tell you where you're going to see them. You see them the first day in pads and in alumni games. That's always where you see the hardest hits because when people are <laughs> – because their nervous systems are fresh. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we – like some of the idiotic things we had done is, you know, some – you know, one time at a, a crazy guy who was, you know, like so into coaching football was like four-hour practices and stuff. And it's like, man, we, you know, goes freshman year, we, yeah, it it was insane. Like parents were calling the school. We used to go there at like 630 in the morning. And I mean, good guy. It was just like, it wasn't, doesn't make sense. We get there at 630 in the morning, an hour before school. And then um, we would do like either lifting or conditioning. And then we'd get home at practice at seven. So every day we were at school from 12 for 12 and a half hours. And there's supposed to be like a study hall in there, but it's like none of that actually got done. Mm-hmm. And point being, it was like, you know, freshman football, we had this co- older guys coach, best coach we ever had. And it was like, you know, like we'd, we'd get to a game, we'd be like ready to kill. We'd be so excited. And and then by the time I was a senior, we were doing all this stuff. It's like, man, you get like, you're warming up before a football game and your shoulders and stuff are sore and, you just don't have firing as fast as you should be because your, you know, your central nervous system isn't fresh. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep that in mind, especially with fire too, because, um, so fire is kind of weird because they can have, you know, a cop, you'd be walking around and all of a sudden you got to chase somebody. That's enough of a stressful thing of your walk. You're basically operating, you know, at a, you know, as a call, like as, you know, I say one is like the lightest athletic activity and, you know, and six is like, you know, a, a powerlifting meet where there's like very little skill involved like a deadlift. You just got to go all out for a few seconds. Like, type, like instant intensity right away. Instant intensity right away with very little skill involved. Where like, you know, a five would be like a linebacker trying to make a kill shot in football, but you still have to aim correctly and stuff, you know. So, yeah. but you're basically going as like a, a, a cop, a, you know, a one walking around like, you know, or zero to a six where a fireman's always at a zero to straight to a six because, like, the job, for the most part, is a lot easier when you're not doing anything. But then they are just laying there, and all of a sudden, you got to jump out of bed. That's <laughs> the bell rings, right. yeah. I didn't know that till I researched for my stuff here on the tactical the heart, attacks, they had a high, right. heart attack rate. I didn't know that. I'm thinking, why? I mean, they work out, all, you know, and all this, but it, that's what it is. They're jumping out of bed. It's like, oh, shit. Like, you guys are already as stressful enough operating how we're talking here conversationally to going balls out and an instant they're sleeping dude like that's crazy yeah so i mean yeah, yeah. that that is and you can feel and i hit this last time when we talked on instagram live the adrenaline pump like me and my partner were eating in the car hanging out two blocks away let's say on boston road you got a gun run and you got the description and the mail is two blocks away and then you're like wow we're so close that adrenaline's pumping really fast the fight the fight Hopefully the fight, fight or flight, the fight kicks in and uh, that adrenaline is yeah. your, it, it hits you right away, man. And over time, I mean, in a heavy house or in a heavy precinct, uh, you get a lot of gun runs, a lot of knife shots, a lot of stuff like that, a lot of structure fires. That thing, th- those add on the body. Absolutely, so, dude. Um, real quick, a few more questions, Josh. I just want to hit about 
Um, and you, I know you said this before about like alcohol and training, um, especially with a, a high stress job, a busy job for first responders. When you decide to cope, when you start using alcohol as an escape route, how's that really going to affect? I mean, I, I would hope most people know that it's depression and it's negative. It affects your body negative. It's not supposed to be in your body. But when you're already under a high amount of stress, what that the alcohol is going to do, not only to your body and your uh, your gains and your muscle growth and everything, and but just just your mindset, your 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 mentality. It, it's gonna make obviously. I mean, you know, I say obviously. I mean, it's gonna have a negative effect. And um, the issue being, like, talk about central nervous system here. Like, so we let's just um, use the Charlie Francis example. The sprints coach we say is your central nervous system is like a t- cup of tea. So you have a cup, and you're basically everything you do is pouring, you know, tea into that cup. So to a point, as long as you don't overflow that cup, you can recover and get better from it assuming you're doing everything right where alcohol is just one more stressor you're having. It's basically like look at your body, you know, operating in homeostasis, everything you do to, to disrupt it, you're gonna have to recover from. So luckily with training, you disrupt it. And as long as you're recovering, you come back stronger, faster, more efficient, whatever with alcohol, you know, the, the best case scenario would be you get back to baseline, right? Like that, that'd be the best case scenario. But you know, usually you're going to recover way back under baseline. So it's one more thing to add. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one more thing to recover from. And it's, it's just, it's bad for your body. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, if you have no problem with it and you do it like to celebrate a special occasion or something, you know, I'm all happy. I'm happy for you. Great. But like to, for people to like, Oh yeah. Like to, I mean, I'm not like, even like in England, they just, say, you know, what, like 12, they used to say like, you know, 10 glasses of, of wine a week or something would make you more healthy. And then now they've just lowered it to basically like, you know, six or eight is not going to disrupt. Yeah, I think it's not seven is disrupt. the average drink. Yep. Yeah. Not going to disrupt your health. It's no longer, it's going to make you more healthy. It's more like if you have under this amount, you, you don't disrupt your health. And I mean, and most people that are drinking to cope with stress, I mean, I would assume when they say like seven drinks a week, they're not, you know, it'd be funner if they met seven, it meant seven all at once, but it doesn't mean that, right? It means seven, it means seven over the course of seven days. So like that wouldn't be, that's not going to help you, you know, even if you think it's helping you cope with stress, I don't see how one, one drink would do that anyway. So I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, from a training standpoint, there's no place for it. It's just one of those things. If you're saying like, Hey, you know what? I've no problem with, I do to celebrate something a few times a year. Fine. But if you're doing it like, you know, regularly, it's not going to, it's, it's going to hurt your training. It's not going to be, you know, anybody that's doing well with training that's drinking, it's in spite of it, not because of it. So just remember that. I mean, you're all grown up. So everybody make their own decisions. I'm just saying, don't delude yourself into thinking it has no effect on your training. Like, yeah, if you're gained, you know, if your goals increase your deadlift and gain 30 pounds and you drink three times a week, it would have been more if you didn't drink. Right. Probably not your max potential. Like, you, you, you yeah. have to let the ego be out and be like, wow, that 30 could have been 50 or 60 pounds. Exactly. Especially, you know, law enforcement and firemen um, not able to take certain things to help our muscles grow. You know what I mean? So we have to, uh, all the, the guide we can get the food the sleep um, and the knowledge we can get to be the best version of ourselves we can be and and alcohol can really bring us back a little bit i also would be you know you guys too like i mean with how much like um scrutiny cops are under and stuff and like you know expected to like you know make a you know like step in in a situation when they're off duty and stuff you know if like even if you didn't do anything wrong say you had a few drinks and you did everything by the book perfectly any defense attorney worth his weight, weight and salt would be like, Hey, you know, they had a few drinks and like, they're going right. to, they're going to probably throw, throw the arrest out. Best case scenario, worst, oh, you get yeah. in some kind of trouble for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Unfit, you're, unfit you're for duty. Yeah, yep. You're held to a higher standards. Exactly. Absolutely. Just, yeah. It's, I mean, we can't function the way others do, you know, uh, it's just like, like Frank just said, they'll just say, Hey, he was unfit for duty. You can have one glass of wine and you can even sit at dinner and then you act on something and then, Hey, did you have any alcohol in the system? And then you go, it's unfit for duty. So, and and I mean, that's you look at the bigger picture. And then, yeah, so I try to tell people all the yep. time. What, so what is the actual rule in that? So like if you were out, or are you allowed to have drinks or no? Like if not like right or wrong or like, you know, addictions or anything. Just Is that is that against the rules or is it what's the rule on that? Well, you're supposed to be fit for duty at all times. So like if you're out, if I, like, if I know I'm going to go somewhere and celebrate something, my firearm's not with me. 
I'm yes. my firearm's not with me, then I'm not acting upon anything. So, um, you know, gotcha. nine times out of ten, I have my firearm with me, and um, you know, and I'm making sure that my mind is as clear as can be, because in case something does happen, you know, the first thing they're gonna want to do is they're gonna want to, hey, can you do me a favor, can you piss in this cup real quick? Just want to make sure yep. everything's on the up and up. You know what I mean? And I don't want to leave any room forever, whatsoever. So, I mean, the, the, the rule is you're not supposed to have alcohol in your system if you act in any kind of um, police manner, you know? So, uh, gotcha. it, it may vary from department to department, but I'm, I'm pretty sure as a whole, yeah, if you have an ounce of alcohol in your system, because that, you know, alcohol does impair judgment, correct? So, it's like, all right, of course. If you're making a decision that could potentially end someone's life or alter someone's life. Yeah. If you have any, you know, the least bit of alcohol in there, it's just, that's definitely going to have some weight on the situation. Yeah, it, it is sort of interesting that it's like, you know, in Japan, when I was over there, they basically said their drunk driving law there is if it's in your system and you get pulled over, you're, that's that. Like, there's no, yeah. it's not like, you know, point, whatever no, it is. There's no point zero eight. Nothing. Point zero eight, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes sense. Yeah, if, it's, if this is if this is that big of a deal, then why can you know you kind of have some? Yeah, I mean, yes. I just I I just always been one of those guys. Like I, I just don't ever want to end up on like the Channel Twelve News or anything like that. So I try to stay on the up and up. You know. Yeah, that should scare you enough not to drink and drive, and especially don't bring your fucking firearm to a uh, to a bar. I mean, these are just things like you said, Josh. You're an adult. You make your own decisions. But these are things that could just prevent. Right. What you said before, 90 percent or 99 percent of the self-defense is not being there. Right. So it's the same thing as 99 yeah. percent of, of, you know, avoiding a DWI or avoiding getting jammed up is uh, not drinking and not not being there, not getting behind the wheel, um, especially today with the Ubers and everything. And someone can drive you. Yeah. Just, I mean, not that it was ever. Okay, you don't have really nowadays with all the all the all the available, you know, ride sharing apps and stuff. You know, yeah. it's. It, you got there's no excuse i mean yeah i mean unless you're real far away you can you know go miles for five bucks yeah literally literally yeah yeah. the average dewey is like 20 grand so if you think about it you spend 100 bucks right i spent 100 dollars on an uber or lyft that's going to save me a my career b potentially somebody else's life yep and see the headache of having to deal with this because dewey's don't go away overnight man these things take years it just doesn't you know, it, it's just the residual effects of me going out and having a good time and then getting behind the wheel of a car and potentially altering not only my life, but like others. I'm good. No, totally. Uber, pay whatever. Yeah, it's, that's it's, me. It's I, not, I not worth it. I don't, I hardly ever even clear drink. I don't drink very often, but if I do, I, I've never, I don't, I, even like one drink, if I'm totally normal, I would not drive a car just because I feel like kind of like. You know, they say like it's a gateway, and I'm like, okay, well, one was okay, I was fine. Then you know, next time it's two, yep. be okay, and so on, so forth. Next, so, the next weekend, yeah, yeah not, it's not a worth cycle it. Of, it's it's definitely not. I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, because people, oh, if I got all right, I did it Friday night, okay. Next Friday night, I did it again, okay. Maybe then the next Friday night turns into Friday and Saturday, and then by you know it, man, a month or two months later in, you're doing it every weekend. If if you don't have the if you don't have the self control, and a lot of people they don't, it's hard. So Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up, Josh. Um, before we wrap up, man, uh, we're gonna, I, I'm going to ask you a few questions. This is just sure. to get you get to know you a little more um, sure. better for the audience. What's uh, it's a very it's a very hard one. Your favorite movie, if you have one or two to pick from. Favorite movie, okay. Um, <laughs> of um, I really like anything from Rocky of those kind of movies, and I like House Guests. That movie with Sinbad are funny movies. <laughs> All right, good choice. I like that. Uh, <laughs> favorite sport? I probably know what you're gonna say, but favorite sport and team? If you had, if you were picking one, man, my favorite. I think my favorite sport is just training. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Jason, someone said that. I think Aaron, our last guest, said he loved football, but now that he's been working out like crazy, he's really just into watching that. You know, strong man or whatever it is, bodybuilding and any type of stuff that's like how that. I am, yeah. Um, if you can meet one person in the world, who could it be alive, alive or dead, man, alive or dead? One person I could meet alive or dead. Um, hmm. 
Man, I wish you would have sent these ahead of time. <laughs> you said you're ready for this stuff, man. You were born for this. <laughs> I, I'm born for this, but not these kind of questions. They're usually, they're, I guess I should preface any of these things from now on of like um, of like training type of questions. Um. That's like us when we're standing in a Dunkin' Donuts line and a little kid comes up to us like, hey, officer, why do you want to become a cop? And you just look at him and be like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't sing or dance. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, like um, General Patton. There you go. Oh, I thought you were going to say oh. Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, one you have one meal for the rest of your life, man. Every single day, the same meal. What would you have to go with to eat? Oh wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd have to go. Um, you gonna say pizza? And you heard pizza? <laughs> I, I'd go with some Texas barbecue. Oh, uh, there you go. Right from your roots. Right from my roots. Um. All right, last one, man. If you could go to any time frame in the world. In the 1800s, it could be in the pyramid time. It could be 10 years ago. Where would you go? Mm. I would go to um, that. I mean, kind of been alive in the time. And what I have knowledge of what I have now. Right. It's like a time machine. Um, I'd go like, um, like, like, I'd go to late 90s because I think you could have pioneered some different stuff on the internet. So, you know, now, so yeah, I would definitely do that. You know, like, you know, take some of Mark Zuckerberg's knowledge and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and, and big bucks. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, yeah, that's what I would do. Instead of Facebook. Could be yeah, just, book. <laughs> exactly. <something like> that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much, man, for uh, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and coming on. Uh, to our yeah. podcast and the show i uh, really we really appreciate it um again yeah, my name is frank you can find me you can find me on instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders and josh so where can they find you find me on instagram at jailhouse strong or um go to my website uh joshstrength.com and um come up there you got um so if you come on there you get a f- and sign up for my newsletter you get a free um s- six-week hill sprint program and a free eight-week deadlift program like little ebooks that are free so that's they're awesome. a lot better than you know you pay other people for like 50 bucks on instagram so and, and, and jay where can they find you at man oh yeah they can find me at the real Jumpman jay on instagram spells as it sounds and uh yeah man um it's a pleasure having you dude uh i learned a lot today i'll tell you that um definitely gonna start hitting some hill sprints the weather started to break and, uh, yeah, dude. I definitely need to, um, to hit those hill sprints. So I'm just gonna well, we'll still do that, that Frank. W- once this all gets settled, man, we'll still do that seminar we talked about. Once this crap all yeah, that'll be awesome. Jay, Josh is going to come to New York, and over. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. So, thanks okay. again, Josh. Everyone, stay gas station ready, and God bless. Have a good day, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. Bye. God bless. Have a good day, man.